Welcome back to Deep Thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. Today, as you can see, we're going to talk about something I'm calling Finding Earth. I hope you find this interesting. What we're going to do is we're going to analyze in our own little Deep Thoughts way, and there's going to be a lot of what's what I love about you guys. Every one of you comes in from a different perspective, and it's very educated and well thought out. So, Precursor, some of you are going to find some of the episode right on target with what you think, and others are going to find the totally different narrative that matches your thinking, and that's the intent. The reason why I'm doing this episode is the following. The discussion of aliens has been in our lexicon for God knows how many centuries, millennia. The Old Testament has... Passages that could could be construed as very alien. Could just be a story. Some of you are following the story that came out of Werner von Braun's assistant, who has a PhD. And she said that he warned her, look, you know, they're already planning a faux alien invasion to unite the world under one government. So there's that narrative. We recently had, you know, some... Uh, Probably some toys that were hastily made in Mexico, shown to the Mexican Senate. They never told you until recently that those same, or one of the two guys, was busted in 2017, hastily putting together what was proven to be a, a bizarre combination of paper mache and plastics and other things, and tried to pawn those off uh, five years earlier. So those are probably fake. And then there's the series that you've seen on television, at least the shows you've seen on television, where they discuss what would it take to find Earth. And it uses all of the normal cosmology, uh, sort of the perceived limitations of traveling faster than the speed of light, always referring to vehicles that can travel faster than the speed of light, but never having any uh, above-board public consumption best buy explanation for what those engines might be made out of. It's very interesting. I mean, think about it. We don't hear. I've never seen on Sci-Fi Channel, History Channel, Discovery Channel, any of those channels, them talk about UFOs, but then explain how they could work. They never go that far. Now, there's plenty of YouTube videos that do that. There's plenty of Rumble videos and BitChute videos, podcasts, but no one in the major press is allowed to speculate how these vehicles could travel. There's some of you that are interdimensional alien believers, and you believe we're all in the same layered cosmology, separated only by the frequencies by which we can see that they're around us. And when you take a DMT chemical, the dream molecule, you all of a sudden harmonize to its consciousness and you meet them. I've got friends who've done this. But the real value to this episode is the following. It's all going to hinge back. Hopefully it's interesting as we observe and discuss the whole issue of what would it take, why would they be here, all that kind of stuff. But if, if let's just say if, they ever try to push a narrative of alien invasion, which... I'm very skeptical. I think there's no money in alien invasion. There's control in alien invasion, but there's no money. 
they're rolling the world up for a World War III. And you've got politicians like Pelosi and her husband ready to put put in options, you know, insider trading. You've got every major family in politics and royalty, banking, all just, I mean, they are drooling. They're waiting for this war. They want to use up the old arsenal and they want to build a new arsenal. They want to take old tech and flush it and bring in the new tech. And then that'll finance the, the underground skunk works tech. So I'm not personally convinced they're anywhere near saying this is going to happen. But now here's the interesting thing I want to get to in this episode. We are convinced because we always use the two words, alien invasion. That has a implication, doesn't it? Now you could just have, I mean, anyone who's seen the United States border and every single foreigner on planet Earth just needs to fly to Mexico and they can walk across the border. I mean, it's unbelievable. Every single country says that America sucks, but they all want to live here. <laughs> right. It's an invasion at the southern border of the United States of America, for sure. Okay. But to say alien invasion makes you commit to a narrative without even intending to do so to your friends, to your family, to anyone you've ever mentioned this thing to, when the only thing that might be occurring in their fake situation is alien presence. If the intent of the alien is different and whatever psyop they might be doing, then you'll look stupid, right? Well, you said they're going to invade us. You know, they just gave me a free VCR, you know. The other really... I guess it's slightly fringy interpretation of the whole thing is that these aliens do exist and that they have many species most likely, and they have been making contact with the world leaders and, you know, pedestrians too, man. I mean, you have to, if, if any of them have ever landed on a military base or ever dis disabled nuclear warheads by messing with the guidance systems, then the, the little kids, I believe it was uh, Zimbabwe who all saw this ship land behind the trees and then, what, three dozen kids went around the corner and looked at this alien in a black tight suit with almond eyes. And he didn't say anything to him, but as soon as they looked in his eyes, he was giving them all a warning. It was in the press back in the 90s. Fast forward 20 years, they re-interviewed these kids and they're still suffering pretty decent PTSD. They're able to recall the story in incredible details. And when they try to describe what the alien was trying to tell them, they at least come to the same conclusion, even though they use extremely different words. The teacher that told the kids that they're crazy insisted that she be brought in to this 20-year-later documentary only to say, I apologize to the, all the kids. I had no right to tell them they didn't see something that they obviously saw. And they, and they said, well, what are, you, what are you saying? And she goes, they obviously saw an alien. This was obviously a true event. There's too many children. Children are instinctually all lying at the same time. You realize that when you bring back the age of a human being closer and closer to birth, the, the logarithmic scale of telling the truth is exponential. It's a really bizarre child that has obviously gone through a lot of stress that will lie at a really, really young age, at least to that degree, with that amount of detail. There's those of you who don't believe in space. 
you believe we're in a container. That for me is more fascinating to just to try to account for all these sightings than someone who believes in space. At least if you believe in space, this whole story kind of makes sense. Now, we obviously suspect a lot of manipulation in these stories. But here's the thing. I have talked to enough people and have my own personal experiences that I have shared on the show at exhaustive detail. I definitely believe that there is another race of beings. I simply don't know where they come from. I haven't had any personal extensive conversations with them. Real small recap, just to kind of set the stage for anyone who's new to me and new to this show. My grandmother was born in 1912. She's long gone now. But she told me uh, probably around 1990, 91, when I was visiting her, that her and her sister used to watch cigars fly in the sky and they made no sound. She goes, and they're in the Kansas Plain in a town called Erie. E-R-I-E. And she said they just used to watch them. And then she looked at me really funny because she was not, she's a school teacher for 36 years, very by, well, I would say, I mean, she's kind of by the book, but she wasn't like a rule monger or anything. But she looked at me funny and she's an extremely enlightened woman. So it's not like a deer-eyed kind of old lady. She's very smart and went through the depression and all this other stuff. She never told me anything like that ever. And she looked at me like, don't think I'm nuts. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you. Now, she didn't see what was inside, but she said they were not blimps. She knows what blimps look like, and she said they were fairly low to the ground, uh, meaning probably 1,000 feet up, something like that. There's been an array of sightings in the last, uh, let's see, 15 years of super orange bright lights flying in the sky. And a lot of times they are then followed up by military uh, I wouldn't say escort, but definitely a chase. I talked to uh, a buddy I had met in, uh, what was it, uh, 2022, last year. Charles Edward, he just passed, man. He was 70 years old. Awesome dude. And he, we are talking at a bar, and, and we're just, I'm in my hometown, in the middle of nowhere. And I took a couple photos of him. He's an amazing dude. Just a really sweet guy, and he... Was, I asked him where he lived, and he said he lived outside of town, and then we're just kind of chilling out. And he's and I just seen the videos out of Texas, which I believe was 2008, where numerous people were like, it was such a bright orange light that you could read a newspaper. And then at the same time frame, they played a, uh, a video that was early 80s in England or Scotland or Ireland or something like that, and it, big orange light was in the sky and one of the farmers thought his crops were on fire because he woke up in his bedroom and it's all green or orange light, excuse me. And he gets up and there's a bunch of people outside looking at this thing. In Texas, it was two or three groups of people that saw this and all described it to the press. And then my buddy Charles, he goes, yeah, man, I, I was really weird. The other day I was outside, I was just sitting on my porch really late at night and he goes, this light came out of nowhere and he goes, the entire countryside was lit like the sun, except it was super orange. And he goes, there was a disc eventually comes over my house that is obviously the source of this light. And he says, it flies off into the distance. And he goes, not too soon after that, he said, some military aircraft flew after it. And then it was, they 
they tried to chase it. It went away quickly. And I believe he said it came back across his house really fast. And no military escort. Like it lost the military, not escort, but just, you know, like a chase vehicle. I have what I call one credible experience with the gray. And believe me, I don't feel special telling you this. It's almost like, do I even admit this to anybody else? Little dude told me what was in a Christmas present when I was 21 years old, which I was sure was a different present. Next morning I wake up, I touch it, and I'm like, oh my God, it's what he said it was, which is origami paper, which I'd never seen in my entire lifetime. If anybody had asked me at 21, before I saw this stuff, what, what do you think origami paper would look like? I would definitely do 8 by 11 shape, right? My girlfriend was so pissed off, I knew what this was, because she had to drive all the way to Los Angeles to get it, which was a one-hour drive one way. When I asked her 10 years later, I said, man, you never like really elaborated on the fact that I knew what this was and I had never seen it before. She told me, well, I thought, you know, we're sleeping in a twin bed. I thought you read my mind. And so I'm thinking, well, if that's the case, there should be this epidemic across the entire globe's history that if two people sleep together close in a bed, they're reading each other's minds, you know. But this was so specific. I woke up, this gray's right in front of me. He asked me if I'm going to be okay. I said, I, I guess so. I said, but no one's going to believe, believe me. And I was like in the middle of a conversation where I don't remember the beginning of the conversation. And he says, well, if I tell you what's in this present, would they believe you? And I said, well, I guess. And he pulls this thing up. And he says, this is origami paper. And immediately in my mind, I'm arguing with him in my mind. I said, that's a record. That's an LP. It's square and it's flat. I hadn't touched it yet in real life or at least outside this experience, and he puts it back down between my legs, and my eyes close, okay? It's like a blink. I close my eyes, I open my eyes, now I'm on the side, on my side in bed, and it's one two zero zero on the clock. It's noon exactly. Not 12.01, not 11.59, but noon. And I got up, and I was in my underwear, and I walked out front, I sat down in front of this thing and I'm looking at it like it's a freaking album. I know it is. She just got me albums four months earlier for my birthday. These are albums. This is what I asked her to get me because she was just in New York City where she's from. I touch it and it's soft. And I'm like, oh my God. How and then I'm still arguing in my mind because I'm going, this thing's square. How could, or how could origami paper be square? And it is. And then before I left my house down the street here, it was about a month or two before I left, Somewhere in there, last four months at least, I had this distinct feeling as I was in bed, fully awake, that a craft had landed in my backyard where I filmed the show, right? Except I got that truss out there. But, you know, I got the, I put the UFO in season four, right? Or five, five, where I landed in the backyard in the UFO. Exact same sort of thing, probably a little further away from the trees or whatever. And then I hear my back door slide open, which is a big, heavy door with lots of grime in it because the sand always gets in the track. And it was old. It's, it's just, it's an alarm all by itself. And then all of a sudden I hear footsteps coming down the hallway and I'm totally awake going, oh shit, like what's going, what am I going to do? You're like, this is obviously not normal. And so I close my eyes and I put my hand out my right arm, and I just, it's like, okay, if you're going to do whatever you're going to do, like, here's my gesture of peace, right? And very, very softly, I feel these little fingertips touch my fingertips. 
and I push back just a little bit, you know, to kind of acknowledge, I know you're there. And of course I'm thinking at it and I, I'm not looking at it. Right. I can think that's just going to be too much of a shock because this is so lucid. And the other weird thing was he had definitely a smaller finger, but his fingers had like a roundish shape on the end. Like it went up like a normal finger with a little round tab on the end. And then he, we, we curl each other's fingers up inside of our fingers. Like, you know, just like you're, kind of holding hands like this, right? And then I felt, this is what's nuts, man, because I had forgotten about this one, one, and I always forget this, this anatomy that was in the Roswell drawings that the nurse gave the coroner friend of hers. I felt these little suction cups, probably like a centimeter uh, diameter suction cups on the end of his finger. And then I felt the second one get on the bed, down by my legs, and then the one that was in front of me, it gets on the bed somehow. Like He doesn't crawl across my body. He goes around behind, across. And then he's like messing with my shoulder. I mean, I, I hate to admit this, but it's like the truth is he was kissing my shoulder. And then I t- open my eyes and I turn and look at this dude. And it looked nothing like anything we've seen in any drawings. It was a very flat uh, head almost like those Pisces hats, the uh, the Pope wears the fish hats, right? But that's the shape of his head, but it had these crazy thick hairs along the trim of the seam of his head, and they were translucent, but they got browner as they got to the tip. Fairly thick hairs, man. I mean, like we're talking, it almost wasn't hairs, but it was, I don't know. So I'm looking at this dude's face, and I'm feeling calm for some reason. And my shoulder was exposed anyway, right? I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm trying to think on my th- toes, right? I just recently got the Sid Me tattoo on my right right wrist. And so I thought, man, would it be cool if I could get them to get me a tattoo, some marking on my body, give them the permission to do it, and I'd have like a souvenir of souvenirs, man. So I'm obviously, I don't have clothes on, so I just pull up my wrist, and I'm pointing at it, and, and he's doing his thing, and he's uh, he kept saying, I'm good. He said, you're good. You're good. And I don't know what that means to him. But I, I pull up my wrist and then it was just like, it was one of these things where if you're, I don't know, in a dream, you may not conceive of all these moves, but it was a very lucid man. He reaches up and touches the tattoo. And like, I, cause I showed it to him and he's like, Ooh, and he kind of reaches up to touch it. And he strokes my wrist with his fingers to touch it. And I said, this is my friend's name. And I hadn't gotten the HP tattoo yet, so I pulled up my down my other wrist, and I said, maybe you could put your name there. And I, I could just sense he didn't understand what I was saying, which is weird, because it's supposed to be telepathic as we hear, right? Do I feel silly saying that story? Yes, of course I do. But I know what I saw, and I know what I heard, and I know what I felt. I can still feel his hand in my hand, man. So... Where those dudes come from, I don't know, man. I don't know. It would be a dream to, I mean, like a, like a fantasy to, to be abducted without uh, the Whitley Strieber. I have a side gig, and now I'm telling everyone I'm getting anally probed story. But just get taken up. I used to have this woman that massaged me back in the uh, early 90s because I was going to a chiropractor. You go to the chiropractor first, and this woman would, would rub you out afterwards, right? All in the doctor's office, well lit. In case you guys have any ideas. 
older woman. I mean, she must have been in her late 40s, early 50s. And she would just flat out, she's a very soft-spoken woman, really tiny lady. And she said that she only used to sleep like two or three hours a day. That's all she needed. I knew one other woman in my hometown that had that same thing. But she just flat out told me, she goes, you're going to think I'm crazy, but she goes, I, I get abducted by aliens like regularly. And there was no other story. There wasn't like, hey, here, take this crystal, do this other stuff. It's very straight faced to me, man. And it was like, at the time, it was like, I was getting my neck adjusted from a car accident. And so I had her like five times a week. I mean, we had conversations. This went on for a long time. And of course, you know, my brain, I'm asking her a thousand questions. And I said, <clears throat> I said, well, how's it work? She says, well, they come into the room. She goes, by the time I know they're there, because I'm awake, my husband's asleep. They paralyze him so he doesn't wake up. I guess on one occasion they, they paralyzed his body, but he was awake and he was freaking out inside. When he woke up, he's like, oh my God, don't ever let him do that to me again. You know, I was sitting there terrified. And she says they took her out and then she, they, she basically goes to sleep and she wakes up in a vehicle, or sorry, in some destination. I don't know if it's a vehicle. But here's the interesting thing. So I'm trying to find something that's a little beyond her intellect and I don't know anything really about her intellect, but she told me, I said, well, what did, what did, you know, she says, they talked to me and they asked me questions. And I said, okay, well, tell me what the hell do they say? She goes, well, this last, she goes, the last few sessions, sessions, she goes, they've been trying to teach me that they actually use colors to count. So, you know, we see about 16.9 million colors as human beings now. Don't give me a test because I couldn't figure that out. But she said they're trying to teach me that there was color shifts that meant exponential numbers just way beyond this woman's. Like if she was that smart, she should have driven up to Santa Barbara University and got involved with Stephen Hawking's group. You know, I mean, she didn't tell anybody else. It was just this thing she was opening up to me for because we had lots of good conversations. So. The reason why I mentioned those few little stories, one, give you my background in case you haven't heard it. Hopefully I didn't kill most of you had to listen to it for the 10th time. And just know I'm very critical of people that hear a story of someone else and suddenly they have the experience, you know, those kind of folks. I think that's what Streber was by his second book, Transformation. It was like he would meet a person and hear their story. Oh, well, that, you know, what's really funny about that. I had the same exact thing happen to me. Guy interviews like 1200 people or something, you know, it's like, come on, dude some point you hear a story it wasn't your life right yeah he was selling something I, I know that uh, for some folks that are very religious they believe these beings are demons I've got an episode on that I think it's just called our gray aliens demons and I really uh, you know I a demon's a demon's a demon you know i've met human beings that i think are demons you know and i think it's just simply uh if you open yourself up to be pure negativity it will find a way to overwhelm you and you will simply be a vessel of darkness you know the the, the passages we found all over the world especially the dead sea scroll stuff which i think was planted of course because egypt found the anunnaki scripts the same exact year it's like they're fighting between religions on the political level. But they talk about beings of light and beings of darkness. And we certainly, if you've lived 30 years on this planet, plus you've definitely made the distinction in your lifetime. Some people are just evil. And evil is different than just being a, a jerk. Evil is Iago from Othello. I mean, you are, you are just 
turned on and you have a rationale for hurting other people. You do harm. That is your entire lot in life. Suffering of others is a get-off for these people. But the episode's called Finding Earth. Now, Finding Earth implies that Earth organically created itself without any help from another alien race. And then it has to be discovered. That may be the misnomer that is the narrative that makes us feel special. Or that feeds the science fiction atheist view that no alien would have the ability to find us in this galaxy, in this universe. Now, again, I've looked through several high-powered optics. I have never seen a galaxy ever in my life. Those only come from uh, an agency that tends to lie about generally everything that they do. I've seen... I've The only thing I've seen in space that that... I can certify was real through a real optic was Saturn out of a 20,000 power reflector scope. It's in uh, uh, La Jolla, California, just North of San Diego. It was my buddy's telescope. Looked through it, saw the rings. It was there. I also went to the Griffith observatory and saw Jupiter and it looked pretty darn real in that telescope. However, it was a lens telescope But the more I thought about it, it looked like the exact positioning of where the eye is in the lower left that I've always seen it in textbooks. And I have to think about it like, really? It's always exactly the way it it rotates, you know. My physics teacher slash astronomy teacher back in high school was an utter genius. Herr Goering. He he was like, look, you know, if NASA's telling the truth, they estimate the winds on... On Jupiter, like a million miles an hour. I mean, it's like an amazing amount of speed in that. So that eye would be moving around, even if it is three Earths across, you know. Earth's diameter is, a, you know, according to the official story, is about just shy of 8,000 miles in diameter. So multiply it times three, you got about a th- 25,000 mile wide dot moving at even if, even if my physics teacher is wrong by 10 times, it's still moving 100,000 miles an hour. In an hour, it's going to do, do a loop, you know. Now, the official narrative of the universe is that obviously uh, we're in an organic environment. Now, it doesn't negate God whatsoever, but it's a big place. Not quite sure how it came to be. We know that the Big Bang Theory is a complete crap. It's probably a bunch of uh, ether going in a giant infinite loop. Uh, creating other universes as well. You know, the sphere is a very logical shape we see all over Earth, and so it is not uncommon. It's or it's actually not um, unthinkable that because the Earth, the Moon, and the Sun, and all the planets are all spherical, we can see them with our eyes, that the entire universe is a sphere, but there's spheres next to those universes, and all it is is it's like an hourglass that comes out of one spinning wave, just like the currents in the ocean or the jet stream in the sky, and it's simply making a sphere, and it just recycles. You know, the mass that's making you up right now, the ethereal winds that are making you up right now, could could have been in every universe that exists. Imagine that. Like, you, if you believe in anything that exists out there in space, uh, whether it be an alien or whatever, whatever cosmology you want to adopt, because you are a verb that feels like a noun, 
if you're like, man, I wish I could see a gray alien. Well, technically speaking, you might be sharing the same exact particles that they use to be them. It's just, it's you now. And the next second, it's a piece of sand. The next second, it's something else, right? But the age-old argument is always based on space travel ability. How long would it take to get here from the nearest star, Alpha Centauri, which I believe is about four light years away, according to civilization? Well, they'd have to travel the speed of light, and then they'd take four years to get here. Pretty simple math. If they could travel faster or slower, well, it can't exceed their lifespan. Imagine sitting in some tin can, the tin cans we supposedly had described to us by Bob Lazar. Three to four occupants crammed inside this thing. Even four days in that environment. Come on. They would have to have a body that is not in need of food, water. Whatever keeps them alive is going to have to be ubiquitous to the very vehicle itself. Maybe they just stream in ethereal winds from the outside. Who knows? But just think about what it would take to get here if they had to spend any time at all in this vehicle. What's interesting about the alien stories that we have incubated here on Earth is that we hear fantastical stories about what seems to be very sophisticated alien races coming to visit us, integrating with our military, integrating with our leaders. Apparently, aliens really like Americans. That's the funny thing, right? Someone created a map within the last year, which has red dots all over this world map of where alien you know, visitation has been claimed. And it's like red hot on America and everyone else just seems to go on with their life. You know, there's, there's dots everywhere. But, you know, recently they said in the Peruvian uh, jungles that they've had, you know, nine foot aliens uh, roughing up people in the, in the jungles. And they reported it on the actual official news. We posted some of that on our Telegram channel, Deep Thoughts channel. We've heard stories about uh, government tunnel digging. And when they're doing the underground dumbs, right? And they bump into these complete societies living like ants underneath the ground, like no light, no food of any kind, maybe water. And, uh, but stank real bad. And, but they still have lasers and stuff where they put their hand over their chest. And I forget that one dude's, uh, Name the guy that said he had his hand shot off by an alien after he went down an elevator. This the sad thing about that guy's story is that he comes from a fairly small town, I think, in northwest America, and he was sort of known as the town uh, man with learning disabilities slash. Uh, the speed of his mind was not that good. He was always uh, thought of like that. And he ended up chewing up his hand in some boating accident or something way before he ever got of age to join the military, uh, which is his claim, right? But you have these oxymorons. They're complete idiots living in caves, but they, you know, there's no agenda down there. There's no spaceship. There's no control panels. There's nothing. They're just crapping in a tunnel. He said, well, I went down there, it smelled awful. And it's like, why would it smell? Okay. So they don't have noses that work. I get it. And, uh, there's the, the, the excrete stuff, which would almost completely negate the idea of the astronauts that are in the sports model that are supposed to be stored in S4 and analyzed by Bob Lazar. 
up to nine different models. The ninth one was perfect. All the other eight had injuries on the ships as they either incurred uh, some sort of attack or they had an accident. So the calculations for how long it would take for one civilization to randomly find another civilization like Earth in space are obviously absurd guesses. It's fun and it's useful to have those absurd guesses. We don't know where people start. We don't understand why they would ever look. You have the Planet X theories, which has a, you know, another, it's a, it's a three-star system, not a one-star system. Uh, one of them's black. People don't understand optics and cameras, and so they'll film two suns setting. What they don't tell you is when they take the camera down, they don't see two suns. That's the thing. And it's typically done with professional cameras with long lenses, with several lenses between the outer world and the inner film or the LCD that's picking it up, right? So as soon as you move to a cell phone, now you have a condensed lens system and you don't get such massive distortion. And there's a few optics where the sun will hit the atmosphere and it generates incredible rings around the sun. We know that that magic in its initial incarnation and, and perception by man was simply seeing something you couldn't explain. You ever go to the Magic Castle in Los Angeles, you will see the finest magicians in the world who don't have giant Vegas shows. They'll do sleight of hand in front of your face that will defy reality. I mean, guys with sleeves pulled way up by their shoulders, bare forearms. One of my friends is one of these guys. And there is a loose piece of felt on the table, but the guys will put their elbows on the edge of that felt with bare arms and pull coins out of nowhere. One of my friends, he pulls a coin out that's probably about three inches in diameter and about an eighth of an inch thick. And he gives it to you. And you're like, you can't palm this thing, right? You can't. And he had it. He's like turning his hands up and down, up and down. He's doing other tricks with other little coins. And then suddenly this big ass coin shows up out of nowhere. And you have a room full of people that are astute magician apprentice looking for the trick, right? And I know that YouTube has a lot of videos on how a lot of this stuff's done. But a lot of times you'll see a technique that works, but it doesn't match the circumstance of which you saw the technique, so they don't apply. But magic is usually not magic. It's just something you don't understand, right? But finding Earth needs a motive, Right? What's gone in the in most high-end military weapons creation systems today? In the 21st century, and this has existed in the 20th century, you have unmanned vehicles now doing the probing around the world, participating in missile strikes and all kinds of stuff. They're getting the pilots out of those vehicles. That way there's no moral problem. They can hire literally a person from, they do this, you know, America hires foreigners from other military to strike targets so there's no moral impact. You, you, you don't even believe in the same God. And that's just a dreamy thing for people that want to go to hell, right? But if we're starting to take humans out of the vehicles because there's potential danger, imagine being an alien race and saying, well, you know, we haven't found Earth yet, or, you know, Earth Gaia kind of planets yet. We're looking for them. Why not just send out probes that just go out and take a look? And that might account for a lot of the smaller saucer vehicles 
that we have seen over the years, especially ones before we had, you know, Final Cut and Blender 3D and Maya in everyone's freaking living room, right? But again, they don't talk about how these vehicles could move. So let's spend a little bit of time about how that might happen, because, you know, I've done episodes on how to make a UFO. Fortunately, it's part of season one where the mic was a little bit weird. But I show you a book that a friend of mine gave me. It's an old book that talks about what they used to teach college students about, hey, we can make anti-gravity vehicles. We just don't have the power supply to do it at this stage. And again, according to friends, first degree friends of mine who talked to the military people, they're saying, oh, yeah, we got this worked out by the mid 90s. We were done. No spinning Taurus of Mercury. We've got different techniques and it's infinite. It's done. And then in this last uh, 15 years, we've seen the gimbal and the Tic Tac. Obviously, U.S. military vehicles, if those vehicles existed and they're simply benign UFOs from some other world, however you want to define that, it would fly over New York City, Los Angeles, Paris, London, whatever. It would be all over the place. Why would they relegate themselves to off the coast of San Diego, which just happens to be a naval base, okay, the Navy, for those of you who are not familiar with American military, was the top of the top before the Wright brothers discovered flight. The Air Force was underneath the Navy for a long time. Well, I've been told by soldiers that are very, very high up that that's still the case, that a lot of the skunk work stuff that's taking place, Area 51, it's still technically under the Navy. So you fly a vehicle, a tic-tac and a gimbal, new experimental vehicles over the water. If it fails its power system and falls into the water, one, the vehicle itself is most likely buoyant because it's got air trapped inside of it. They just scoop it up and you would never see it on TV. But because the tic-tac and the gimbal were successful in their first big missions where they allowed Top Gun pilots to chase these things, they're willing to put it in the press, knowing that usually Russia, China, any first world country in Europe now knows that America has developed this technology. With the current politicians we have in power, it's obviously for sale to the highest bidder. To the degree it cannot be used against us, right? But that doesn't explain a tremendous amount of sightings like my grandmother watching what she said to be what looked like flying cigars in the sky. People have seen cylinders flying at really like capped cylinders. They don't have a tapered end. And they're big. They're huge. Some people have said, uh, which was portrayed in Close Encounters with Richard Dreyfus, these silent vehicles that fly in the sky that are as big as the town or bigger. Just, just drifting in the sky, really slow at night. Douglas Adams, who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in his later books, the last two of the four series after the radio show and, and the BBC was concluded, the first two books, he wrote about a planet where two of our main characters land on this planet and it's this planet where everyone sings. And they land there and they are, they say, well, like, where'd you come from? And our two characters say, well, we came from, you know, up there. And these these like three guys or something like that, they were like, what do you mean? Up, up, what's up there mean? 
And what Douglas Adams brilliantly conceived of was a planet of people that hadn't discovered up. They hadn't acknowledged the sky at all. They never look up. And so that became a big plot mechanism that because they taught those people up, they eventually got obsessed with up and they upset the balance of the universe because they left. And that was a no-no. We know because of so many uh, monolithic structures that seem to worship the stars and the solstice periods, that man's obsession with the sky and the stars was gigantic. And there's one prominent theory, which is more agricultural, more almanac-based. They wanted to know when the seasons were coming and going so they could prepare properly, hence the zodiac. By the way, I recently heard that the Zodiac didn't exist. They know when the Zodiac came into fruition, and they know that when the Sphinx was built and when the pyramids were built in Giza, that those obviously predate the Zodiac by a tremendous number of years, probably, depending on your theory, potentially hundreds, 100,000 years before the Zodiac was ever around. So matching those to Orion's belt might have gone the opposite direction. Whoever built those may have named the Zodiac at a future time, and therefore the Zodiac is based on Egyptian knowledge or the pre, pre-Egyptian, pre-dynastic people that actually built those things. But let's say you send a vehicle, like an ant looking for food. They leave one trail of chemical while they're searching for food, and if they find food, they send another chemical out as they follow the first chemical back to the brood. And then the brew goes, oh my God, someone struck gold. Get out there. We got a big spider we got to carry to the queen, right? Well, a probe finds earth. Isn't it the passages in Ezekiel and Isaiah? Something like that in the Old Testament. Where it talks about chariots in the sky. There's all kinds of stories. Some of them believable, some of them not. There was a, uh, a fabled... Uh, story written about a space battle in Europe a few hundred years back, and apparently no one else saw this occur, and the guy that ended up writing it was linked to, when they find his other writings, uh, he was sort of an H.G. Wells way before his time, without the understanding that there is essentially fiction that you can write about fanciful things. So not all the stories you hear are potentially true, but they strike, strike pay dirt and they find Earth A long time ago, the Peruvian Indians seem to have drawn them in the desert with salt illustrations. There's illustrations pounded into rocks all around the world of almond-eyed alien beings. Why not take over the world back then when there's very few people on Earth? Why not? Doesn't that seem logical? Why would you wait for there to be 8 million, 8 billion, excuse me, wrong, uh, Wrong there, alphanumeric character there. But 8 billion people. And now our weaponry is truly a threat. If you can't stop them all, can an alien race come in and neutralize every single missile that might be flying at them? Seems like you'd have to have a lot of vehicles. Maybe they've got a blanket system that gets rid of it all. Maybe they just EMP the whole planet and make sure they don't take off. Maybe they just strike military installations. If they exist and they have ever visited Earth, then they have a tremendous 
moral ethic of a prime directive as Star Trek Gene Roddenberry had dreamed up. Do not make contact unless they have reached warp level speed. And that simply being the speed that it takes to interact with the rest of the population of the universe. Thence, thus, you must be inducted in and learn where you are in the, in the food chain of the, of the universe. And you can't just have, you can't just do anything you want, right? They must have that if they have discovered Earth. Otherwise, they would be among us, wouldn't they? Like every day, broad daylight. But we hear about two distinct alien species, right? We have the greys, which up until uh, my experience, about 2010, 2015, were never accused of being demons. They were always these sort of light-hearted, sort of passive creatures. Now with Whitley Strieber, he had a third species. He had the females were beige and about seven feet tall, which is sort of where we get mantis, uh, the mantis of the world, right? The little boy mantis is teeny tiny and the queen is gigantic. So the greys are about three to four feet. And then he introduced this other super buff two and a half to three feet race that did all the heavy lifting, literally. Like if they abducted you out of your bedroom, the book Communion talks about how they fill up the room with these little buff dudes and they pick you up and they basically carry you like a crowd surfing situation out to a, uh, a chair that's sort of like a lounge chair made of sort of webbed, like pulled out the material. They lay you down softly in that. And then the chair goes up inside the vehicle. All right. The hiker that was pulled up by the beam of electricity uh, I met a guy who interviewed him in the last uh, three months. And he said, look, man, he goes, this dude said that the movie they made about him and the book they wrote about him almost completely ignored everything he said that he experienced. He said that he was operated on by a Nordic human inside the vehicle who basically said, uh, we have, we want to make sure you're not hurt. It looks like you were injured a little bit in the transportation we did not mean to encounter you. We did. We pulled you up because we made this first contact with you. He said there was a little robot off to the side that was working on him based on the commands from the Nordic guy. This is right out of the mouth of the dude who was pulled up into the vehicle. And he says, like, I don't even know what to say. He goes, uh, the movie doesn't have any of this stuff. No, I've never seen the movie personally. So what would be the base criteria for any probe to try and find a Gaia-class planet? Now, our sort of old traditional knowledge of how planets are birthed, it's been, it's been put away, and now it's making a, a comeback. And there's a name for this, and I forgot the name of it, but it, was, it makes sense that the sun basically is burping out enough mass at times that it creates planets. And that by inflating them with ethereal winds through the north and south pole, to, to you it's invisible. But it penetrates the crust because it is way smaller than any of the atoms that are the verbs that hold this place together. And it basically inflates us. And inside the earth is a torus with sort of an hourglass traveling path in the center of the torus. Which is why Mercury is teeny tiny. Venus is almost the size of Earth now. Earth is Earth. I don't know where Mars doesn't look like it made it to the right size, but 
after Mars, you get the asteroid belt, which is where all planets blow up. It's where they get so inflated, the crust ruptures, which is why you have so much mass in the asteroid belt. We have to take their word for it, I guess. But after that, it's all gas giants, right? That's why I think they have no problem deprecating Pluto out of ever being a planet, because in their brain, Pluto would have exploded had it ever hit planetary classification. Now, I don't know if Mars will ever inflate to the point it explodes. It might go a little further out, but it's going to get clobbered by the asteroid belt. Maybe it just gets pulverized to death. But isn't it interesting? <laughs> We've got Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. All gas giants. Just past that threshold. So here comes a probe, and they would obviously understand this. And so they're going to find, uh, I don't know, is it class one... M1 stars, you know, mass one stars like ours. Is there a certain uh, scale? I'm sure there is. It's a little bit smaller is okay, a little bit bigger is okay, but past that, you're going to get really bad mathematics to create a Gaia-class planet. And of course, this is based on the fact that those creatures value a Gaia-type planet over a Mars planet. Maybe they like the more iron deserty kind of planet. Maybe they like the sulfuric acid Venus better. Maybe that's better for them. Obviously, we mix way stronger drinks on this planet than those other two. So this probe has got to get close enough to every single star to evaluate its true size. Because from far away, a star is going to look like a dot of light. If they truly exist. Don't get mad at me if you don't think space exists. Go see my episode, Does Space Exist? And you'll have your mind blown for a completely different reason than has ever been presented on the internet. I can say that safely because not a single soul has ever repeated what I told you on that episode. Not that I've ever seen. So they find these candidates and they must obviously swoop in at that point. They're going to create a, the, the ship's literally going to go into another program and create a trajectory to get close to this guy, a planet. Then take a look at it. Does it have an ocean on it? Well, ours has got a big ass ocean on it, right? Ocean water is created from spring water. It's only salty because life started to exist in that spring water. And as it dies and defecates, it makes it salty. End of story, right? It's kind of weird when you get in the ocean and you taste salt water. You're like, ooh, if you really know where that salt comes from, it is pure salt at that point. But it's like if you walk past a rotting fish and you're like, whoa, that's a horrible smell. Uh, and then you go get in the ocean, you're like, well, this is, this is good for it. You know, it is because it will get rid of infections and stuff, but it's the same old thing, okay? But then they're going to have to look at it, the life. It's, it would be almost a mathematical certainty if whatever created life on Earth happened would happen on a different planet. Maybe. There's a lot of us that look at the mankind, they look at the fact that we uh, obviously somehow won the absolute jackpot if you're an evolutionist, that we have this level of consciousness and self-awareness. I think, therefore, I am sort of minds, right? This is before you get into the logic of God. But the idea is that, the other theory, I should say, is that these beings are always bringing life to these planets and seeding it with insects and fish and birds and everything, right? There's theories from Planet X that talk about how the primates were here, apes, gorillas, hominids, and that they simply spliced their own DNA in, like the movie Prometheus, and created a hybrid that was already balanced with the atmosphere and the food supply. 
But slowly over time, Homo sapiens sapiens shows up. Remember, the missing link is 150 million years, according to their official sciences, right? Because they can so carbon date all that perfectly. But we still have the beings that supposedly evolved into us still on this planet. Apes, gorillas, all the monkeys in the world. Hominids have seen, uh, yetis have all gone away. Unless you believe in Bigfoot. Planet X goes on to sort of the 20th century intellect's uh, apex, which is aliens are only here to steal minerals, to steal gold, because the their planet, Nibiru, right, It's uh, it needs gold in its atmosphere, otherwise it's going to expire. All coming from a guy who channeled this entire story out of thin air, because he sat in his living room, got really bored, needed to be important, and then poof. I got a new theory, man. Remember how all this stuff was going to happen in 2014? I literally got phone calls from friends of mine worried that an asteroid belt was going to come around from this and that this other sun was going to come swinging by. And then all of a sudden I was like, very passionate, fairly intelligent people. And I'm like, wow, you're bored, I guess. You know, you have no empirical observable reality that would suggest this is real. When it comes to like UFOs and aliens, well, a lot of people have personal experiences, so that's why they believe. They've experienced something. They've seen something in the sky. They, they behave weird. I was once, I told a story once before, but I was once on a trampoline in the middle of the night with my girlfriend, like eight, 1986, and we're staring up at the sky in the middle of Kansas. You can see all the stars. And we got an Air Force base in Wichita about 100 miles away. So it's not uncommon to see a high atmospheric vehicle flying. Plus, you can also see satellites going by. But this was a three-lit system with the, uh, there was the red and the green lights to indicate, you know, the wingtips of where, what direction it's going. And I watched this thing do a U-turn in the sky. And when I say U-turn, if the width of that plane was one unit, it did a U-turn within two units. So it was a unit between, when it did the U-turn, it was basically only one unit of its width before the next uh, wingtip turned around and went the other direction. Now, when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's cool, did a U-turn. And I can still see it in my head to this day, and I'm thinking, it can't do that. There's no plane out there that can do that. And it was so high in the sky and didn't make any noise to me, which means if it's a jet, it's so high that the, the sound waves aren't even getting to me through the sheer attrition of the atmosphere, and we don't have planes that can turn around like that on a dime. What the hell did I see? Don't know. But they find Earth. I mean, that would be the base requirement for them ever being here in the first place, right? And again, there's two narratives. If you're interdimensional, then guess what? You don't need a vehicle. <laughs> you don't. You definitely don't need one that flies in the atmosphere. Unless, I guess, maybe you're just simply trying to stay higher than human beings. But if you're interdimensional... What do you do if a guy cocks back his fist is going to punch you in the face? Someone points a gun at you and you know it. You simply shift in a, into either a fourth dimensional realm where they can still see you, but the bullet's going through you, or you shift back to whatever realm you come from and you're simply not there for impact. I did a whole uh, analysis. I can't remember exactly what episode, but I did the one on the, I think it was one of the alien invasion ones, but it was when they said that they monitored how the aliens flew over the missile base and took, you know, took them out basically mechanically that they put a big red dot on the front gate and everybody was at the front gate shooting this thing. And some people were getting, I think, killed. 
But what they didn't realize was this back gate threw out the alarm and all the alarms went off in light speed. It was like, bam, 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 bam. And whatever was coming into the back was already on top of those missiles within a couple seconds, breaching every single security system, but still adhering to the doors and the pathways, the corridors and all that, which means they weren't able to fourth dimensionally go through the earth and just be on top of these things. They punched every single security thing. And they said when they analyzed these uh, missiles that it was literally a guidance system that had been fried. And they knew that that was the Achilles heel of these missiles, that if that system failed, it immediately went to, to a disarmed state, which is exactly what they were looking for in the first place, right? The goal of this episode is to add more narrative such that you don't fall for what they're saying, and I think many of you would not, of course, if not every single one of you. But when you have to fall back on what could it be, it's good to have had conversations about this in your own head before you... Uh, well, imagine this. You're seeing a bunch of data. Have you ever been in a situation where you saw a bunch of data and it smelled fishy? Someone's telling you that that data means this, and you're like, mm, I definitely know you're wrong, but I, I haven't had them. I'm still in trauma from seeing whatever I'm seeing, a little bit like 9-11. And then it takes a while for you to piece it all together because you're so clouded. You're being so overstimulated by what's actually taking place, the magic, right? If you've had a conversation about this in your own head, the beauty of the whole thing is that you're like, oh, I've already distinguished eight different plans that, that they could suggest is this alien presence, and so now, as the data comes in, you're equipped. It's like one of those coin catchers, right? The little stair-stepping coin catcher. You put them all on the top, and it's that translucent uh, plexiglass. The quarters fall in the quarter slot. The dimes fall in the dime slots, right? You will have the catch in your head for many scenarios. They could still surprise us, but even having three to five different scenarios that they could pitch on us about what would these aliens be doing here? You can start canceling things out. Word of mouth is going to be the only way to survive any type of fake alien evasion because I can assure you of one thing. The power will cease to work. Communications will cease to work. There's a little country over in the Middle East right now that's having that's doing that to another country, a little subgroup over there, and it was so magical to them that their cell phones were powered, but they couldn't use them. Devices that generate power didn't work. It's pretty hectic. And people forgot that when we were back in 2003 and we hit Baghdad, their power, their power plants were hit by something. And it was, I think it was a mix of chaff and other techniques. Chaff might have been the diversionary tactic to give you a false uh, causality. Might have been some EMP thing, but they lost power. So word of mouth is going to be the only way that we as humans are going to survive. And if this were to ever occur in your neighborhood, you might have to grab a few shoulders and shake people and say, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. See, and you're going to say two or three sentences or four or five words. They're going to potentially save the life of a person right in front of you, at least save their consciousness from developing horrific PTSD. But they have a couple choices, right? The choice is... Do they portray the whole thing as a positive to serve man Twilight Zone? 
or do they let it be some sort of District 9 UFO that hovers overhead or some Independence Day or some other horrific movie where aliens are doing horrible things? Escape from Los Angeles, right? I think the, uh, the one narrative I'm pretty sure will be embedded into whatever story comes out, and it may actually be true, which is the government finally saying, you know, during this event, and we have to also contemplate, of course, them really coming here, but them saying, look, you're safe because these people, these beings have been here for millennia. Some of you already know that. Uh, we didn't want to say anything because it wouldn't scare anybody, which is an absurd assertion in these days where we've got <laughs> movie after movie after movie showing you that what would happen to society if aliens came. I almost think that the way that, you know, news hits today is something horrific happens in the world, which we've had a lot of since this last presidential change, and it's gone out of the press in two or three weeks. And we have allowed that to happen to an extent that they can now attack you in your neighborhood, and the you could be sitting on the ruins of your family, like a certain place in the world right now is doing, your family's gone. It's been destroyed. Your town's destroyed. All the history, everything that you know about your life, your photos are gone, your history's gone, the gravestones are gone, everything's gone. And you're standing in the middle of that mess today in 2023, and you, all, you, all I can say to you is, guess what? In no less than a month, no one on earth is going to care about your problem because everyone's so addicted to looking at something new every day. You're just, you're going to be absolutely, you'll be so GoFundMe for two weeks. And then it's like, oh, that, why do I even have that GoFundMe up anymore? Wasn't that like three weeks ago? I don't care. And that's the world we're in. The reason I mentioned that is that's now a tool. That's a mechanism by which they can cause things to occur over and over and over. And they know that no one's coming to anyone's rescue because they have literally rescue fatigue. They have trauma fatigue. They've got bad news fatigue. Even though those same group of people look for that trauma every single day, which is why the news is the way it is today, right? Now, let's say that this alien race finds Earth. Now, we can only assume it takes a lot of effort to use any of the techniques that we might suggest to find a Gaia-class planet around an M1 star. It's got to take a tremendous amount of effort. Yes, even if you put your probes out there and you're like, look, they have infinite power supplies. They have all the sensory mechanisms. They can take photographs or Google Earth the whole joint in two seconds. And then they'll fly all the way back to wherever they came from and dock in some data bank and they download or upload everything to the system. And then they can make a choice as to whether or not they're going to visit it. Let's say that ecosystem works out. Or that is the case. The idea is why. Have you ever gone on vacation to a place you don't like? Have you ever bought something you didn't want? No one's forcing you, but you literally said, I don't want this thing and it costs a lot of money and it's going to take a lot of my time to own this thing and I'm just going to buy it anyway. No, you won't even rescue an animal like that. You only rescue animals you think are cute. That's it. Now, some people do rescue animals that are in big trouble, but they have this amazing feeling in their heart that they've saved an animal. They're getting something out of it. It's never just a complete loss. So 
earth would have to have some value to them. But now let's multiply or let's actually, excuse me, let's divide any motivation you can come up with. We're going to go through a few. Earth has something, right? Now, there's no resource the earth has that any other race needs if they can travel the universe as we have discussed. If the universe is as, see, Neil deGrasse Tyson believes it to be, then there's planets made of gold. There's planets made of every single conceivable uh, atomic material in the, P, uh, in the periodic table. No one has to mine it out of the earth ever. You can find a planet literally made of gold. If you got that power to scour the universe with probe vehicles, doesn't need an atmosphere. It must be made of gold. You can just go find it. Now, Planet X has a little bit of a hitch because we're so close. We're, we're, uh, we're a prime target. But of course, no planet establishes itself as a leader and then ceases to be the leader. It would stay on top of us and keep us slaves and keep... It would basically make us worship them. And the whole Planet X thing is nuts, in my opinion. So what else could Earth have that they would be interested in at all, right? Now, one thing is we seldom talk about it is the intellectual exploration, which is more of the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek franchise. Simply exploring new cultures, new languages, new art. It'd be interesting if we actually uh, had anything new because they say, you know, there's nothing new in the universe. You know, you tell a story in English of a human mind, they probably already told the story in their language and their being, you know, like uh, it's the prodigal alien, right? So if you go a full intellectual route, all right, well, it depends on how long it takes them to find us as to whether or not when the probe gets back, are we still in that state? Did they find us in the uh, 10,000 BC and they can only get back to us in 1947? At that point, humanity's changed quite a bit. What are you really tracking? Can they come back right away? Interdimensional travel completely makes sense. But then with that realm, they would actually have superior control over us anytime they ever wanted it. Right. And there's there's some folks that definitely subscribe to the fact that a lot of our subconscious thoughts could derive from another cosmology, especially if you uh, think of yourself as a do no harm, good person. And for some reason, every once in a while, you get the black apple, you get some outside influence to believe in super, well, suspicious behavior. And you're always looking at the negative second next, not the positive second next that come from a potentially a life force that feeds on the negative spikes in the human chemical structure in the brain. And so they're essentially the opposite, literally, to what we are, if you're a good person. They thrive on the other side, which is what evil people do on Earth, right? I mean, what is it, the uh, the two scumbags that ran over the sheriff, the retired sheriff, and his, he's riding his bicycle on the side of the road, and they just swerved into him and killed him. And they were caught laughing in court together. They thought it was really funny what they did. I mean, wow. <laughs> Talk about some sterilization that should go on, including their parents, so my question is, and there's been an actual Star Trek episode, it's in Voyager Star Trek, which actually I think does a brilliant job analyzing this, which is why a lot of us are Star Trek fans, simply because 
before things like Deep Thoughts and all the podcasts that are out there, you were being stimulated to have these conversations through fictional programs on TV. But there's a uh, situation where the Voyager lands on a planet that has everything. You just want it and they have it. And what becomes the biggest commodity on the entire planet is they find out that the Enterprise has the obviously the world history in its databanks, and it what they love the most are new stories and new forms of music and entertainment. That is the thing that they have run dry in in their own planet. They have so I mean we're going to be that way here on Earth pretty soon, with all the streaming services just bleeding every single possible storyline out of existence. Right, you're going to be tired of everything at the same time, just like when you eat different food all the time. You can't pick up what food you want to eat because you're tired of everything, which is one why one reason why people like me are creatures of a habit. I'll eat the same food for a week so that someone says, do you want to get sushi? And I've been eating uh, turkey sandwiches and maybe some pasta. Oh, yeah, man, I haven't had sushi in a couple of weeks. That sounds great, you know. But people go and get sushi for lunch every day. How could you possibly want to go out at night and eat it? You've already had it for lunch, you know. We had it a day ago. To us, if you know, we aren't interstellar or interdimensionally traveling beings, at least uh, most of us, we don't claim to be that kind of thing. But if we had that capability, someone taught us a chant we could do, gave us a, a musical bowl we could stroke, and then all of a sudden we're in another dimension on a regular basis. That's why a lot of guys get addicted to DMT. You know, it's a new thing for a little while. Just like the news. It's a new thing for a little while. But eventually, eventually, you would get tired of it. You would. Now, if you take these mathematical equations you see in all the sci-fi channels that analyze this idea of finding Earth and trying to figure out how long it would take and how absurd it is, and what they basically do is try to stick you back inside of some evolutionary model world. Of course there's no aliens. Look how long it would take them to get to us, right? Their obsession with us should be very difficult to itemize unless we're the first other planet that they've ever discovered, which again, if you have the ability to get here from some interstellar travel, they would have reached other places unless there just happened to be an anomaly where, you know, Alpha Centauri's got the next best thing and they happen to come here like, whoa, look, we found more life here. It seems impossible to believe, doesn't it? That we'd be the first candidates? Well, if we're the millionth candidate, what could we possibly have that they would want? Even abducting us, having sex with us, whatever, right? I, I actually believe that when I read, what was it, uh, Majestic by Whitley Strieber, which is all about the Roswell crash, it's actually a fascinating piece of fiction. They talk about and this is happening again in, in Peru, you know, girls are being raped, kids are being stolen, and hmm, that sounds familiar with some other scandals going on in the world where we know human beings are most definitely doing these things, right? There's an island out there who's well known for that. Well, imagine that's exactly how you explain it. You're doing these things to humans, and you've got some weird brainwashing techniques, some MK Ultra thing, and you just go through the steps. 
Step one, give him the drug. Step two, hit him in the chest with M16. Step three, start telling him a story. And get the guys in here with the alien suits on. Get the uh, probing devices in here. We've got to give them like five minutes of, of anal probing belief. Uh, so let's put that in there. Hoo-ha. And then, yeah, just don't say anything because you're not supposed to know English, okay? And you just you get this experience and you believe it. And so when the press shows up and the cops show up, you're like, it's an alien. Aliens did it. So now you seem crazy. But it was them the whole time. Getting the rocks off. Some satanic thing, right? Now, I have seen, obviously, hundreds of hours of interviews with various soldiers and intel people that say that they have dealt with alien species. I would say, I'm just going to give you a ratio. This isn't necessarily exact truth. I don't know how many I've ever seen, but let's say I watched 100. I'm going to tell you that probably less than five, I really believe. But what's fascinating, maybe five, six tops... The ones that I think are extremely credible have to do with 100% the complete fourth dimensional output of this individual talking. So how they look, how they behave, what word, what vocabulary range they have, their, their intelligence. I like the folks that are either not as intelligent, telling a very fascinating story that seems to exceed their sort of imagination, which might be me being... Um, unkind to them, not trying to be, but maybe they're smarter than you think. They just simply can't talk as well as they think, perhaps, right? So they're very, so those few that I've seen open up a lot of can of worms for me. They go, wow, that dude really seems like he's telling the truth. And he had all these details that other folks don't have. Now, again, when I did the Roswell dive, I found at least probably six or seven interviews that changed my entire belief about that all consistent with each other, all consistent over years. They kept saying the coroner was changing his story over 40 years. Well, I watched probably 25, 30 years of his interviews, and I never saw one I dotted out of place or anything. He was consistent the entire time. It didn't tend to add anything new. It was just if the person interviewing him dug a little deeper, he had a little bit more detail about it, but it was instantaneous detail and not one of these things like, oh, you just asked me something I don't, uh, red hair, you know, nothing like that. But the other one I've mentioned in one episode before about the alien invasion theory in general, which I always like to remind you guys, is sort of a fun one, but it, it has some meat on it, which is, um, what if they exist? The aliens exist. At least one species of these aliens exists. And then the world leaders fake that they have landed, fake that they have interacted with the world leaders. I guarantee you this whole thing will be like the, uh, the Twilight Zone to serve man, where they only talk to the upper echelon of government. And there's a little bit more to that episode, but what if, you're, what if they basically realize that they were being misrepresented? Would they sit there and just take it? Wow, look at them. <laughs> they're pretending to be us. Oh my God, look what they're doing to their own people. We can't allow this. We're the guys that, that disable nuclear warheads. We're the guys that chop rockets apart when they're launching on video. Uh, there's been videos of uh, jets leaving those trails in the sky and this little tiny dots, uh, two or three dots are attacking the stuff coming out and it just vanishes 
the way after the fact, not like a control advantage, but surgically doing stuff. Now, someone could have put a CG thing together and, and pushed it on the web. You, know, you really can't tell. But the little kids in Zimbabwe, which were a mixed race, that was all like mainly European kids, to be honest, uh, just in case you might want to deprecate for more of a, you know, they, they believe in uh, voodoo and all that kind of stuff in uh, Sierra Leone. Be very careful in those parts of the world. The indigo travelers bumped into that several times in his travels where he'll go up to a booth where someone is selling all the ingredients for voodoo stuff and he's not allowed to buy it because he's not native. And he, if he wants a ritual, he's got to wait for the shaman to come around or the witch to come around and do the right thing. So they took that stuff very seriously. But these kids and the 20-year interview look like all European kids. Now, I'm going to take a dive into flat earth for a second because it's, it is what the Bible tells us we are in. So for everybody who wants to get pissed off at flat earth people, it's like, well, there's a book that if you, if you're a Christian in the world and people come up, come up to you and say, is this book literal or is it metaphorical? I think most people go metaphorical at this point in history, but if you're a literal person about the Bible, then you have to believe in flat earth. You just do. The four corners of the earth, the firmament that holds up the water that is over us, and we're in this bubble, in this little like uh, snow globe of earth. At that point, any other being that's been witnessed, experienced, suggested, any vehicles in the sky, completely, in my opinion, of everything else that I've read in the Bible, and I've read through it several times, especially the New Testament, I don't see any any passage that basically says, oh yeah, oh, and the aliens. God bless the aliens. And, uh, you know, when those silver discs come out of the sky, we're going to have to do this thing and get the oranges ready because they love oranges, you know. None of that stuff. So how to resolve a firmament dome theory and... Aliens, I don't care if you're interdimensional, whatever. Even Bigfoot doesn't make any sense for uh, the firmament dome. We are the number one species on this planet. We are God's creation. We are literally his experiment that came out of the Garden of Eden. The other one that's interesting is that, of course, we have modern technology. And let's not forget Orson Welles reading H.G. Wells' book, um, thing where he spooked everybody in New York City because he read the novel as if it was a real occurrence going on, freaked everybody out. Everyone's running around the streets, running inside their house, getting in shelters. And the military did see that happen. And he, or sorry, uh, Orson Welles, you got to study that guy's history. He was an eccentric dude for eccentric dudes. Like you could be a very eccentric person in this world and meet Orson Welles and listen to his stories about where he grew up, the 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 individuals he was uh, privileged for hanging out with, I mean, the generals of the world, the leaders of the world. That dude was not a normal dude. And so when I see things like him doing this 39 stunt, 39 or 38, one of those two years, it could be an experiment an early psyop to see what would happen. Or maybe it was an organic thing that occurs, and then the military's going, whoa, do you see what just happened there? 
order from chaos, right? Hmm, problem, reaction, solution, right? Hmm, that's, uh, that was a pretty cool problem that it was just created out of thin air. And so what's happening by 47? Well, the Roswell thing happens. And again, for my bunny at this point in my life, I am in the 90 percentile sure that a vehicle crashed from the sky, three beings in it, uh, enough people witnessed it, interacted with the alien, told their stories, did autopsies on the two sur- or two dead bodies. A woman disappeared completely out of thin air who was one of the nurses who knew the, mor- the mortician. The mortician tell- sells two baby-sized caskets, which aren't obviously Air Force folks because Air Force uh, had an accident a couple weeks earlier. They just bag up the bodies in a bag. They don't go buy caskets. And they definitely don't call um, a guy at a mortuary and say, how do you preserve a body? Tell me quick, 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 quick. They don't do that for people who crashed in an aircraft, right? A normal United States aircraft. But very soon after that, it wasn't 1951, the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still comes out. And a flying saucer lands in Washington, D.C. at a ballpark. An alien robot comes out, Gort, and then Klaatu comes out after that, who's obviously got a helmet on to make him look really crazy at first, and he pulls his helmet off. He's like a super handsome guy. Then 1956, we have Forbidden Planet. Now we're on a different planet, and boy, those special effects are getting damn good, man. On and on, and you know we have the B-movies that came out, then we have Star Trek, Green Lights, the 66... But all kinds of sci-fi movies were coming out like crazy. A bunch of European sci-fi movies that if you don't watch Rift Tracks, you'll never even know they existed. No one's going to sell them. No one wants to buy them. But as obviously the population gets enamored with alien, uh, artistic aliens made by Hollywood, you know, uh, makeup artists and costume designers, we start having people say they see those exact things in real life. But now what if... They do exist, and they have made contact with, uh, we, we are told, you know, the, the military agencies, and it's, I think it's simply a, a truth that could be real simply because the military has so much power to travel. They've got their own jets. They've got, they're everywhere. I mean, there's military bases everywhere. I mean, America's all over the world for some reason. And so anytime anything's reported, they can just get there quickly. And, and if they truly have anti-gravity, as the kid who witnessed the vehicle that crashed in the mountainside in Peru, and he said uh, after they found the vehicle dripping this purple goo, he, <clears throat> he said that they could hear the, the thoughts of the crew inside that vehicle were telling them, we're okay, don't worry about it, we're all right. But he said these anti-gravity vehicles come out of the east and land and he goes, they're all Americans, and they're dressed in black. And he goes, they had, I believe he said they had American flags on them, but they're all black. Everything's black, black, black. And they're like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Get the hell out of here. He said he was terrorized in the Jeep for like 14 hours, you know, poking him in the chest with a M16, right? So let's say you have a physical description of what these beings look like. Now you're like, okay, we need to pollute the public mindset with red herrings a buddy of mine conceptual designer Sid Mead 
He was hired in the early 80s to paint a painting of an aircraft that he was not allowed to see. He's done presentations on this story several times in public. There's no problem me telling you this. But he never was shown the vehicle, but they kept trying to, you know, well, imagine this, imagine swept back wings, kind of like this, but doesn't have this, but doesn't have that and all this other stuff. So Sid goes home being literally a 3D package in his head. I mean, that's what this guy, he's the most amazing hand gouache painter in the world. He paints this conceptual vehicle, brings in the paintings and they show the upper command and they were livid. They were like, who showed him the vehicle? And he said, we didn't show him anything. In fact, we barely described it to him. It's all on record. We recorded our sessions and we didn't tell him. And he goes, well, how come it looks almost exactly the same as the real vehicle? And he said, he just guessed. He said me. Like, you know, what else do you got to say? Drop the mic, walk out, right? So now imagine that you've got a physical description of what these beings look like. And they tell Hollywood people, well, you know, why don't you make some like, you know, almond eyes looking things and, and they kind of have like a flatter head or, you know, maybe a big bulbous head with veins on it, pulsing and whatever it is, right? And so by the time you say you see one of these things, because you might meet one one day, and if they're not invading the world, if it's not part of some psyop thing, you can't tell anybody. You can't tell anybody at all because they all think you're crazy. I have a relative when he was really young, he said he was coming home from school in that little country town. And he said that a vehicle was chasing him or following him. And he's a little boy. So he was like, like 12 or something, right? Not completely an infant or anything. And he said they actually got out and started trying to grab him or in his perception, they were really coming after him. And he was really traumatized. He was totally in a PTSD state when he got home. And he was professing this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And the story goes that they were like, oh, that's when so-and-so got, you know, he created this story and he hung on to it. And it took, you know, grandma, grandpa, or whatever, a ton of time to keep him, you know, from believing it and that sort of thing. Now, maybe I wasn't there. I never talked to this person about it, but... Maybe he really saw that. It's a little tiny town. You could do it. Especially if you know where everyone else is in the town, you could literally calculate instantaneously the eyeballs that are on you or the eyeballs that aren't on you. I mean, today, just think about it. You know, they can, using tons of off-the-shelf equipment, let alone covert equipment, know exactly the orientation of a body in a house. And they could literally say, the eyes can see this much that way, that way, this way. And they could literally calculate like a video game, line of sight. No one's looking right there. No one's looking right there. No, you land, you land right there. No one's looking right there. No one's looking right there. And then you could pull all kinds of crap because no one can see it. And so a little kid could get terrorized. Maybe it wasn't even intentional if it was real. But isn't that interesting? As soon as he got home and said he saw that, whether he did or not, I mean, why not ask the kid, why not consider for a second that maybe he did see it, you know? Nope, you're not allowed to ever see it because that means you're insane. Interesting. I wish I could have heard his story like right when he, right when he experienced it. Get the details out and see if I could pierce the veil of a fictional story or whether or not he says something that's way outside of a 12-year-old's, you know, mindset. 
problem was he was a genius kid, so it might not have been easy. So either aliens are going to be uh, destroying the world, which would obviously be an inside thing. You blow up the whole world and you say they did it. And all the communication's over. Power systems are down because power plants have been destroyed. Remember, we can turn power plants back on if a computer hack happens to take out your local power grid. You can. Okay. All power grids can be made local, meaning they don't share power with other communities. And almost everyone's got some sort of power source nearby. So you just branch out and coordinate. You know, you quarantine all the power supplies such that a hack doesn't matter anymore. Your district is on. Your county is on. And it's simply not giving power to the county next door. And if they don't have power, then come over to your county and sit inside your grid, right? So that would be the terrorist version of them. Then there's the more homogenous visit, which is we're here to give you something to make your crops grow better, get rid of all your illnesses. But we really need a one world government for this to work well. And it's not even going to be human world government. It's going to be these alien world government, you know? But if it's a PSYOP, then behind the curtain, it's the same bankers. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen. The only other derivatives I can really come up with would be different flavors of those two. If they're nice, then you should be able to meet them. That's the big problem with them being nice. Well, I should be able to meet one. Even if I don't understand what they're talking about, they can come up to me. And I could look at one of these dudes and go, were you the guy that told me what the origami paper was? If they're dark, then the other thing is that enslavement might be, you know, the age old uh, Planet X story. Enslavement would be the game. And that means you're definitely going to meet him because they're going to put you in shackles and chains and you're going to be digging gold out of the uh, South Pole, you know. And then there's the theory that we talk about every once in a while, which is they're already here. They're already integrated and they simply look like us. The Nordics, the men in black that have the big bodies, the small heads, the black eyes. They seem to be bald, but they wear hats that hold wigs on. These are all, look at my episode of Men in Black. It's all based off of all of the stories I could find on the internet about these events. And try to I try to triangulate different perspectives from different people from the same event. Because in some cases... They were viewed by multiple people, including a camera in Canada catching two guys walking into a hotel looking for a dude who happened to see a vehicle flying, a triangle flying in the sky the night before. And they were witnessed by everybody at the front lobby desk. And they were like, these dudes were weird, man. Small heads, big bodies, blackest eyes you've ever seen in your life. And they said the hair looked like it was attached to the hat. Super pale skin. You'll see them walk into the lobby. It's just nuts. Then you have sort of your David Icke fringe, which I don't know how much he talks about this anymore. He's, uh, he still does his thing, but his big thing now, his big format now is see how right I was. Okay, so once the queen, uh, which was gone now, Charles, you know, licks his eyeball in the middle of a press conference, then I'll start believing that there's shape-shifting reptilians out there. The weird thing about the shape-shifting for me is, one, the asinine, what is it, low bandwidth compression happens in video being turned into, look, there's shape-shift. It's like, no, you don't know anything about video compression going over the internet, okay? 
the fact that this even happens means someone has to work extremely hard. When you see green on a face that then pops back to normal, green is in some codex, meaning the technology that compresses and decompresses frame after frame, it uses green when it can't figure out what the next bit's supposed to be on that area of the screen. So these guys are taking their web browsers and they're putting it into development mode and they watch a video of Nicki Minaj and they turn down the video compression because you can simulate that. You can say, hey, pretend I'm on a 56K modem and then try to download a one gigabyte video of Nicki Minaj talking. Well, of course, her circular eyes are going to go slits because it's trying to make a circle out of partial data and it's just basically saying I'm scanning vertically and so straighten that thing oh now it's a ball oh, she's not shape-shifting on camera okay because that's the chief basis of any visual experience of these of these people never a high-def video of weird guys in a white house look like aliens I'm open but you're gonna have to show me something that's HD 16 by 9 4k where a dude's doing a thing going, of course we're aliens. He's like fucking, you know, shape-shifting in front of you. Like the bug bladder beast of trial, right? And the thing is, is what does it matter? What does it matter if they're a tomato soup yesterday and they're Barack Obama the next day? Who cares? You're going to have to deal with them, right? And for some reason, they're few in number on Earth. They really are, right? I mean, if they were even... 20% of the population of this planet, someone's going to see him, right? Rowdy Roddy Piper's going to walk around the corner with a pair of black sunglasses, and he's going to go, holy crap, we got one right here. You're an ugly bastard, right? No such thing. You would know someone who has seen them like this. Someone would have had a Catholic priest or some nun turn into one of these people. I've talked to people that handle Biden for his entire vice presidency, he would have seen some. This guy hates fucking Biden. You know, if the guy was a shapeshifter, he wouldn't have been, you know, just taking a dump on him the entire time. They w we wouldn't be losing the world's control with a bunch of thrown elections. They just take it. Right. And anyone fighting them. Oh, my God. They would be destroyed immediately. That would just be a flash in the pants. It'd be over. But again, that goes back to the question. What could they possibly want from us? Now, the one thing that really accelerates and fuels the idea that aliens are demons is when you go to the motive, what do they want from us? Someone's going to say, well, our souls, man, that's what they want. And they're trying to make us go for things that will make us sell our souls. Well, you know, you, you could say that there's two ways to lose your soul. Kill another human being without knowing of why you're doing it, simply because you're told to do it. But again, intent, I think, is sin. And if you believe you're doing the act of God, when you meet him, you got an argument. But the other one is, if you really want to make everyone sell their soul, you make the world amazing. You make the world happy. And then you simply sell them on all of the elite things in the world that make you sell your soul. Here, drink this. It'll get you high. Oh, I, I know it's made from that little kid over there, but do it. It's awesome. Or you drink this. You won't even know what you're drinking. And wow, you're addicted now, right? You know where we get that? We get it over here. You want some more? Oh, I know you're addicted, so you got it, right? 
couldn't couldn't find happiness outside of drugs, and so you got pulled in, right? There's a million ways to get your soul. There's a funny Twilight Zone where a dude is about to do a devil do a deal with the devil, and she tells him, "No," he says, "Well, obviously you want my soul, and uh, let's talk about that." And she goes, "Oh no, we already got your soul. You did this thing a long time ago, which led to a bunch of people committing suicide, and yeah, you're sold already." It's an interesting idea that he lost the possession of his soul without signing a deal with the devil simply because he did a blasphemous thing in the eyes of God. Like physically did it, right? For me, the summation of why I mention that is that I don't think you need aliens to do the, the deed. So if you believe space exists, then usually you'll do a little bit of math in your head, even if you're not terribly good at math, and you'll say, you know what? I uh, I just can't get over the fact that uh, if we are some sort of evolutionary outcome, then there, this formula must be happening all over the universe. And there's got to be, to the degree the universe has a size unit, whether it be infinity or finite, then either there's infinite other beings or there's finite other beings, but there's a lot of them. It's mathematical. If you're religious, you could also come up with the idea that you humble yourself and you say, well, maybe God created more than just man. You could still be super special because we're in a paradigm of our own. We definitely are the dominant species on this planet in terms of intelligence and self-awareness. So let's run down the scenario real quick before we close off here. Got a little more time on my stick. It's D-Day. It's really A-Day, right? It's Alien Day. This reality or PSYOP is going to occur. What is your day going to be like on that day? Well, the world's a 24-hour entity, so it depends on where this event would occur first. What, if you were doing a PSYOP, would be your metrics for where and when to do this? Would you do it in a place that's going to be skeptical, or would you do it in a place that's going to bite off on this baby right away? So you get a billion people believing right away. Well, you might say uh, India, South America, Africa. I don't think they target Africa because it's not as dense and it's not as uh, internet savvy in terms of news. We don't watch African news on a daily basis, but we definitely watch stories in India a lot. I mean, I say India because if there's a deformed child in that realm due to DU poisoning from the Gulf War, the way that they have psychologically figured out how to deal with an unfortunate situation is they raise that child up to God level in the, in the neighborhood and everyone comes to, to pray and ask for blessings. Uh, but now that's happening so often that they can't really keep that, that story going. There's all kinds of weird remedies for things that are really wild. So bringing that in, you know, remember Close Encounters of Third Kind had something very similar to that. Our community over there got visited for real in the, in the movie, right? But then you would have to have compliance with that government. Meaning the leaders of that world are going to have to get stinking rich in order to allow that to happen to their people. And of course, they're going to be sold that, man, if your country is the first one that joins the New World Order... You guys are going to get all the advanced technology first. So you in or not, right? 
They're going to bite off in two seconds. But America is pretty good, too. America is hardly anything other than a big, giant, gullible bubble for the most insane fictional stuff. Europe, which includes, in my opinion, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, all swearing to some sort of monarchy over there. You got monarchs on their money, right? People are still in power on the money as opposed to like we put our dead presidents on ours, right? They're dead and gone. They have any reign over, you can't, oh, President Abraham Lincoln, I love this guy. Hail him, right? It doesn't happen over here. But they're sold on socialism. They're sold on giving it all up. Their countries are all going to vanish. I mean, uh, I just read this morning that Germany's accelerating deportation. <laughs> wonder how that's going to go. But America's pretty good, right? So you would uh, target major cities, but probably in the Midwest, more than a big city uh, like New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco. But I think they obviously know by viewing the internet, there's a ton of us out there. A ton of us that know that they're potentially planning this. The distrust is high in America for this being a PSYOP. They know that for every hundred people that see this, there's going to be 10 people in the crowd going, guys, guys, don't believe this crap. Bing, 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 bing. Name all the reasons why. And you probably capture another 40% that believe you and the other 60% won't. But how are you, how are you going to find out? Well, there's a chance in hell you're going to be the one that sees it first. You're out front walking your dog in the morning. Ooh, the thing goes over. A bunch of them go over. And you're like, oh my God, what was that? And of course, they'll be chasing them with Air Force jets to make it real dramatic for you. And then you're going to find out whether or not it's going to be the the peaceful aliens or the attack aliens. And remember, they don't actually have to show it a laser beam coming out of one and hitting the ground and then an explosion happens. They'll just simply blow something up that you didn't see and anyone who saw it's probably dead or blind and they'll just say that's what happened if they want to go the dark route. You're going to go on your phone if it still works, which if they're smart, they'll let that continue for at least a little while, especially if they're doing the dark version. They need you to have 48 hours worth of scare and terror in your system to traumatize you, which then again gives you MKUltra, you know, the... Um, Manchurian candidate problem where you don't have your upper lobes to really discern information. You're taking it all in, putting all long-term memory. And then as you wake out of your trauma, it feels like it's the truth. It's a beautiful technique they use to screw with everybody. Now, if they're smart, they'll probably cut off communications and blame it on them or cut off communications, even if they're nice. I mean, remember, if they want to make them nice, then they've got to talk 24-7, 365. They've got to talk every single day for years about the developments. The press is going to sit there and wait to be told what to say. They're all going to be saying the same words, just like they always say, right? They always say the same words, and then one asshole gets up there and says, oh, you know, we're not a coordinated global entity, the press. But then they all say the same thing, word for word. And it's funny how everyone tries to be a little actress or actor and they try to be passionate about the same exact words. So we experienced in 2020 um, leaders lying through their teeth that you can't go to work, that you're going to die of something. Absolute lie. 
all the way around. But now what if this happens and you're supposed to be at work at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and this shit's going down in your neighborhood 10, 10 a.m. Or by the time you wake up, it's already in motion. That's how it happened with me with September 11th. I woke up in California and I've turned on the TV and uh, both of the towers had already been hit and within 15, 20 minutes, the first tower fell and I'm watching it on TV and I just can't even, I can't even put it words to it in my mind at the time, right? I'm in trauma. Totally surprised me. So do you go to work? I mean, do you go to work? This would be a imminent, depending on how they roll it. If it's a nice one, it still won't feel nice on the first day. You have to be told it's nice on the first day. Now, if they had some methodology of incubating up a weird species of hybrided humans and insects or something that they could actually control, that have some sort of consciousness, they could train them. Remember one of my alien invasion episodes, I told you, what if they had a, what if you had a base, an underground base that's massive and you raise this hybrid species of human beings and some other animal? to get the desired look that you want. And then you raise them in that world and tell them that they're aliens. You invent a language that they understand that you don't understand. I mean, whoever taught them knows how to talk their language. Then you put them in spaceships and you say, this is the day you take over the world. And they just go, okay. And their spaceship lands in your neighborhood and these dudes get out and they have like guns that can do crazy things or they're just being little arrogant sods, you know, and, You'd be like, I saw them with my own eyes. They're real. But they could have been incubated. The destruction to humanity in 2020 and 2021 via all the lies about where you could go, someone telling you you can't go anywhere and you go, okay, I, I guess I won't go. And the cops have believed all that crap. There's been no retribution against those who destroy businesses and lives. Not yet anyway. I'm not going to hold my breath. But this will happen naturally in that environment, or at least it could. It depends on what your government tells you. But if every time you walk out the door, there's something flying overhead that you don't recognize and jets flying all over the place and it's all okay, breaking your windows with supersonic, you know, sound barrier pops because it's, it's, it's go time, baby. It's to make a show. What did they call that little strike in 2003? Oh yeah, shock and awe. Shock and awe and... That had so much implication because there was a press shock and all for us to see it on TV. And then the worst part was where the citizens on the ground being utterly destroyed. Just happened recently, right? It used to be that the uh, folks that did these things as a PSYOP, they had limitations, things that could not be done, like Operation Northridge, uh, where they were going to take over some airlines and crash them and blame them on Fidel Castro. Now, the original plan was that no real humans were actually going to perish, and that was gonna, they were going to make it look like that. And even just the press assertion that they were going to, that that actually occurred was too much, and it got struck down, but it was proposed. They no longer have those limitations anymore. There is nothing horrific on paper that they will not execute at this stage in our world. And we have allowed that to become the case because we ingest all this crazy shit on TV and in movies. It's literally the reason why. There's no other reason why. And now it has bled into the actual physical behavior of human beings. 
you know, over this last uh, eight years, especially during this last U.S. president, you know, there's shootings and stabbings and all kinds of crazy stuff on a regular basis because the folks that create those events are now being completely supported by the administration itself. So when you think about the spectrum of what could be, well, you got to get serious with it. Anything, anything can happen at this point. And we've allowed that to be the case. You know, I smoke cigars with dudes of all ages and different backgrounds and definitely some brilliant dudes. And there's a lot of TV shows that I never would ever watch in some one location I go, which is a great location. But every once in a while, I'll experiment with the guys and I will throw down a couple phrases that basically say, why do you want to watch that? That is all crime, that's murder, that's death. Why do you want to watch that? And it's funny to watch each individual face react <laughs> because a lot of times, you know, a guy will be in the room watching and goes, yeah, why are we watching this? This sucks. Let's change the channels. Let's watch some old show on TV or whatever. But there's a lot of them. And I'm going to say easily 50% of them, if not a little bit more, look at me kind of like, oh, there's the goody two-shoes guy again, <laughs> right? They never say it. And I don't know if they're really thinking that, but that's what it looks like. And the only reason why I'm doing that is because I want to know how far along in this slippery slope are we? You know, the rock is starting to tumble down the hill and you're going to have to watch it go all the way to the bottom because there's nothing that can stop it. And so it's like I said, society is basically turned into a, a bad pilot flying the big jet you're on and you don't know how to fly it by yourself. And so if a guy sucks flying the plane, you're going to die in the plane crash, right? You're going to have at least a horrific experience of not both. And that's why pushing back on a lot of this crap has got to be the name of the game, you know? Now, the alien invasion story is obviously one that is uh, delicate to talk about with people because I'm going to tell you right now, and I don't think this is a mystery to any of you, if there was some world percentage of people who have heard about the possible psyop of, a, of an alien invasion and actually think that they have thought this through, like we've talked about on this episode and all the comments on uh, the various social media channels, it's a tiny percentage. I would be, I'm just being honest, I think it would be shocking if there was more than 10% of the population that's even remotely had this conversation with anyone else. And so when you think about those ratios, I don't know, give me your opinion in the comments. Like how many people do you think have thought this thing through percentage wise of world population and consider all, all countries, all people of it being fake that, it, you know, it happening. Well, the remainder of whatever you didn't account for is the group of people that are going to fall for this so hard that you will be on that plane with a bunch of crazy people. And you're going to have to think about what you're going to do, man. I don't think this is going to happen. I really don't. I think it's way too much of a logistical nightmare. I think it has to do way too much with getting every country in the world to go along with it, which I don't think you can do. If you're not into it, then their only option is to bomb that country completely out of existence in some horrific way to go, well... You know, that guy wouldn't do it. This one wouldn't do it. These will do it. So we're going to basically take out those folks. We're not too close because that group believes we're going to immigrate those people north. And that way, when the 
and the fallout comes on their country, they won't even be there, you know, and we'll just do some, you know, thing. But if they're going to go to the effort to do this, they're going to get what they want, which is one world government, you know. The reason why I want to call this Finding Earth is that's where the equation begins. If someone's going to land here, why? Try to find the answers for yourself, right? Anyway, I just want to revisit that because it's been in my mind and it's resurfaced a little bit here and there. If you haven't been to deepthoughtsradio.com, please go. Everything's up there. To the Patreon PayPal folks, thank you so much and make it happen. Take care of yourself and someone else, and I'll see you in the next Deep Thoughts. Over and out.